0: slips of paper. Well, in Christ, you can overcome, and that's the focus of the series that we started on Easter. Jesus Christ overcame the grave. He overcame death. But before he overcame, he suffered a great trial, didn't he? And over, well, an overwhelming battle with evil came before his overcoming victory. And just before his crucifixion, he had some last words with his disciples. And during that conversation, uh, he made this statement, and this is our memory verse this week, so um, are we going to have it? or OK, there we go. Uh, would you read it with me? John 16:33. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus knew that suffering was a universal problem. Uh, life doesn't always go as we had planned. We face disappointments. Has anyone ever had a disappointment in life? All right. We face discouragement. Has anybody ever been discouraged? couple times, <laughs> we become downhearted. Has anybody ever felt down? Just heavy hearted. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for being downhearted, downhearted as many as there are people and circumstances, right? Uh, we become downhearted when things take longer than we thought they would. When people don't carry through on their promises. We get downhearted when people criticize us. Uh, When we love people who don't love us back, we get discouraged when it doesn't seem like we have what it takes to succeed or to reach our goals, Uh, when we're stuck in a situation that doesn't seem to change, it just continues to go on and on, or a relationship that isn't working. Um, We get downhearted when we're dealing with chronic pain that just doesn't go away, when we have losses that are hard, or make mistakes that we can't fix, when our prayers seem to bounce off of the ceiling. In this world, we have trouble, circumstances and challenges that cause us to lose heart. Uh, And everyone does, you know, Uh, from the small things like that QVC product not being quite what they made it out to be, (laughs) to the big things, uh, tragic losses. But here's the good news that we find in Scripture, and it's the main takeaway for the message today. Um, We may have reason to be downhearted, but we don't have to stay that way. We may have reason to be downhearted, and we do, but we don't have to stay down. And I I don't want to minimize in any way pain that you may be going through right now, Uh, Tomorrow I'm officiating officiating at a funeral for a good friend of ours who was killed in the accident down in Schoolcraft uh, this last week. And his life just ended tragically uh, when his SUV uh, caught fire. And I've been walking with that family this past week uh, through a very difficult time. And, you know, they have every reason to, to be sad, to be downhearted. Life throws hard pitches, and sometimes we get knocked off of our feet, and it may take a while to get up. Those kinds of losses um, take time to overcome, And, and there's a grieving process that goes along with that. But whatever life brings that would cause us to be downhearted, we see in Scripture that we don't have to stay down. In fact, it's not God's intention that we continue to always be down and sad. In Christ, we can overcome. And this morning, we're going to look at what the Bible says about overcoming when you're downhearted. And if you want to pull out your message notes, um, we're going to look at three actions to overcome when you're downhearted. And, you know, as you look at uh, some of the characters in the Bible and think about people, in the Bible who had to deal with disappointment and discouragement. I think that you would be hard pressed to find anyone uh, aside from Jesus who suffered more or had more trouble and disappointment in their life than the Apostle Paul. Um, in Second Corinthians, um, Paul says this five times I received from the Jews thirty-nine lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, Three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers and sisters. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my worry over the churches. If anyone had a reason to be downhearted and discouraged or disappointed, it was Paul. You know, I think if... If I had been Paul, I would have been questioning where God was the first time I got the 39 lashes. And yet Paul endured that five times, and he was still able to write in the letter to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We get to choose how we respond to life difficulties. And we may have reason to be downhearted, but we can choose not to stay there. And Jesus died so that we could have his joy in us. So we're going to look at three actions that we see Paul taking in his life that helped him to overcome and uh, not be downhearted. And the first one is that um, he would put everything in God's hands. We need to put everything in God's hands. Um, as you can see, Paul continually faced difficulties. People were trying to kill him. Uh, st- he had storms at sea. You know, I think about floating around in the ocean overnight. Uh, I be like pulling my legs up, uh, hoping the sharks didn't get me. But um, if anybody had reason to give up, it was Paul, and he never did. And instead, he put everything in God's hands, and he trusted him to work things out. Paul writes this in um, 2 Corinthians 1.9. We felt we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good, for then we put everything in the hands of God who alone could save us. And, you know, that's the starting place. When you're discouraged, when you're downhearted, is to recognize that you may not be able to change your circumstances, but God can. And you need to put your hope in God. And, and I think that this was one of the most important commitments that Paul made that kept him from being downhearted. Uh, he believed that God was with him. He would entrust things to God. And that God was going to work it all together for good. If you look at Romans 8.28, and we've had this as a memory verse numer- numerous times because it's so important that we would remind ourselves of this when things happen in our life that we don't understand. He says, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Like Paul, we can ch- choose to trust God to work things together for good and not be downhearted. And, and part of what it means to entrust things to God, then, is to believe that God knows what's best and to... Um, Part of entrusting it is to be willing to wait for God's timing. Um, Lots of times we want God to fix things right now. We want him to move us from A to Z immediately. And God can do that. But most often he moves us from A to B and then B to C and then C to D and then back to C because we didn't get what we were supposed to get while we were at C, and then back to, to D again. And um, and all of this takes time. It, it doesn't happen overnight. So we have to be willing to wait for God. And Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And, that, and that's what Paul would do. It takes time to heal hurts and to get over losses. It takes time to form Christ's character in us. And and that's what God is doing in these times of waiting. He's He's helping to heal us. He's forming Christ's character in us. And we don't always understand why change takes so long and why God isn't answering prayer. But Uh, Part of waiting is accepting that God's ways are higher than our ways and his timing is best. But waiting doesn't mean that we aren't doing anything. And I've said this before, God never wastes a wait, and neither should we. God never wastes a wait, and neither should we. And as you look at Paul's life, uh, you see some of the things that we can do while we're waiting. And I'm going to lift three of, the, uh, four of those up um, uh, to you. Four commitments that we can make while we're waiting on God. And the first is to focus on the good. Even in tragic circumstances, if you will look around you, you can see how God is at work in that. Um, this family that uh, lost uh, their loved one this week, uh, the, our friend, They're all Christians, and so when I met with them, I could see them doing this. And one of the things was uh, that uh, Rich's son, uh, twenty-year-old Luke, he was out in Kansas until just two weeks prior to this, and he decided two weeks ago that uh, he just needed to be closer to his family. And he, he, so the last two, he's had two weeks to spend with his dad this last two weeks. So he was home, and they were giving thanks to God that he didn't have to make that trip by himself from Kansas, you know. So they're in the midst of all this looking for the good and seeing how God is at work. And um, Paul says this in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And and when we focus on the good, then we guard our hearts from bitterness and anger. Uh, It helps us to lift our spirits as we recognize the ways that God is at work, that he is taking care of us and present with us. And then uh, the next thing, um, continue to pray. I think when we're downhearted, sometimes we we feel like God's forgotten us. And so we have this tendency to quit praying. And that's the opposite of what we need to do. We need to continue to pray. A prayer is a, a faith statement. And when you pray, you're saying, God, I know you're still with me. I know you still love me, that you're working in this uh, circumstance. And it helps you to grow your faith and lifts you up. And this is exactly what Paul did and what he told people to do. He this is what God he says God expects us to do. And First Thessalonians uh five, sixteen and eighteen says, Rejoice always. Actually if if you were gonna memorize this, this is three verses. That first one, rejoice always, is is verse sixteen. So you could, you know, memorize First Thessalonians five sixteen, rejoice always. Or that's for the those who have memory uh, issues memorizing scripture. The second verse, verse 17, is pray continually. And then 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Prayer changes things. Uh, it changes circumstances. But it also changes the way that we see our circumstances, because we're allowing God to help us understand what He's doing, and some of the things, the some of the things while we're waiting on God, um, that we're waiting on God for may never come to pass. Uh, some circumstances may never change. Sometimes we get down about things that, um, if we could see them from God's perspective then we wouldn't be so sad because we'd understand why they're not, why things aren't unfolding like we hoped them to. I'm sure you've all seen America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Right. How many times have you watched somebody on there and it's, and they do something like jump off the roof into the pool and it, it goes badly, you know, they miss or something, and you're like, I saw that happen, I saw that coming, you know. How could they have thought that was a good idea? And I think that that's how it is with God in us sometimes. You know, he, we're so, God, we want this. God, I want that relationship. God, i got to have this boyfriend or whatever it is, you know. And God is like, that's so not a good idea. <laughs> and so sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we hope he would because he knows what's best for us. Continue to pray. Let God unfold his plan. And help you see what it has in mind for you, so you want to stay connected to God, and then the third commitment is to stay connected to people uh, intentionally connect with encouraging people. you know um, there's i I guess this is a scientific thing it actually happens, but if you have like a bucket of crabs and you put more than one crab in there none of them will escape because every time one tries to crawl out, another will pull it back in the bucket. And, you know, sometimes we have crabs in our life. (laughs) You just shouldn't hang out with them (laughs) because they're just going to keep pulling you back down. You know, find some people who are encouraging. Hang out with the people that God's put in your life who build you up, who care about you, who love you and continue to uh, connect with them. Um, you can see this in Paul's life. He's always got somebody that travels with him, and he really understood the need for encouragement from others and the importance of community in this battle against discouragement. In Romans 1, 10 and 12, he says, I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And then he explains what that spiritual gift is. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You know, I think this is one of the things about small groups that's so important is, you know, you get in a small group, you hear what God's doing in other people's life, and it really builds you up. But But find people who you can share life's stories and journeys with, struggles with, and they can share what God's done in their life, and it builds you up. Stay connected to encouraging people, and then D, do what you can do. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God, and actually God is waiting on us. You know, uh, if you're holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart, and you're wondering, God, why, why aren't I more happy Uh, Why can't I experience your joy? Uh, He's waiting on you to do what he said in his word you should do, forgive. And um, we can be down about relationships, uh, waiting for God to fix that other person, when God is waiting on you to allow him to fix you and the things in you. And often God has already spoken to us through his word or through a prayer or through a sermon or something about what our next step towards joy is and we haven't taken it and it might be one of the things that we've listed this morning or something else that God's given you specific to your circumstances but the question we need to ask ourselves is am I waiting on God or is God waiting on me God's timing is not always our timing so we sometimes have to wait on God But waiting doesn't mean that we don't have anything to do. We need to focus on what's good. Remember to continue to pray. Connect with people who encourage us. And do what we can do. And then the third thing that we see in Paul's life that he would do to overcome discouragement was remember that disappointments and discouragements of life are temporary. Um, When I was preparing for this message this week, I read an article that was talking about um, on any given university campus and at on at any given day, there are 100 to 150 students on suicide watch. Uh, they just need somebody in their life that will remind them this is temporary, that you're going to get through this. This is not a permanent thing. And when you're down, when you're discouraged, it seems like things will never change. But Paul kept himself from discouragement by reminding himself and others that the things that we suffer, suffer now are light and temporary compared to the good things that God has for us, things that are eternal. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And then he goes on in verse 16. Let's read this together. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." And we see this over and over in Paul's life that he's always putting the focus on the end goal. And it was one of his greatest strategies for overcoming discouragement was to, to focus on the prize. And he would tell you to, to run the race to win. And he would encourage people to, to think about that end goal and eternity with Christ. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is forever. And the communion table is our reminder that Jesus Christ can take the most horrific things that the world throws at us and bring good out of them. And I would encourage you before you come this morning to the table to put everything in God's hands, to just let go of it and entrust it to him, everything that you're carrying, and grab onto the promise that in Christ you can overcome. Would you pray with me?